sisters, isn't it awesome to be together today? You know, it's so exciting just to be able to look around you and just to see the thousands of brothers and sisters who've gathered here today to worship God. And I don't know about you, but we could go home right now and it has been worth it to be here. And thank, so thankful to the brothers and sisters who got here super early this morning to set up the sound and the lighting and the band and the singing. Aren't you grateful for those brothers and sisters? Just so that we could have a meaningful time of worship together. And uh, so thankful. Uh, already just how God worked in Jason and Miyoko and their lives together. And I was hoping I'd be able to still contain myself to get up here this morning and share a few thoughts with you. But uh, thank you so much for all of your prayers. It truly has been an answer from God. You know, this morning, we're going to talk about the new generation. You know, from the very beginning of a covenant with man, God has cared about His people. And what kind of faith they would pass on to the next generation. There actually came a point in time after the creation of man and after the multiplication of man that we read here in God's Word. Whoop. In Genesis chapter, I'm glad I got it here on, the, on my iPad, that God saw that the human evil was out of control. People thought evil. They imagined evil. Evil, evil, evil from morning to night. God was sorry that He made man the human race in the first place. It broke His heart. And God said, I'll get rid of my ruined creation. Make a clean sweep. People, animals, snakes, and bugs, and birds. The works, I'm sorry that I made them. But Noah was different. God liked what He saw in Noah. And we know that because of Noah and his righteousness, that we are able to be alive today. We are all descendants of Noah and his wife and their three sons and their wives. What do we see in God's Word as we read through the pages of the Bible about His love for us and His desire to continue to have a relationship with us from generation to generation? We see God's heart. And in Genesis chapter 9, here's what God said after the flood to Noah. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for what? 
for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. To this day, the sign of that covenant we can see in the sky. One of God's first covenants with man was sealed by a rainbow. And it says for all generations to come. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 6 through 9, God later appeared to a man named Abraham. And here's what he said. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come to you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. A little bit later on, we read in the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And then this final passage in Psalm 33, verse 11. But the plans of the Lord... Stand forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Where is God's heart with us today? God had a vision for his people thousands of years ago. And he continued to remind them of that vision that he wanted a relationship with every generation from one generation to the next. And we see God's heart, don't we? In all of these verses that we've read, we see God's hearts. And where is, his God, where is his heart directed? Through all generations. But then Jesus came on the scene in the first century. And when Jesus looked at his generation, what did he have to say? He spoke about his generation. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. That's what Jesus said about his generation. He said it's unbelieving and it's perverse. In the Message Bible, it puts it like this. Jesus said, what a generation. No sense of God. No focus to your lives. Does that sound familiar? This Greek understanding of perverse is really talking about that you're, you're not living up to your potential. You're off, you're off the path. You're out of sync. You're not doing what God purposed for your life. You know, one of the things you've got to admit about Jesus, he was unafraid to call it like it was. And when he looked at his generation, he called it unbelieving and perverse. Which included at the time his disciples. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this is actually addressed to his disciples as well. They were unbelieving. How did the disciples see their generation? Well, in Acts chapter 2, here's what it says in verse 40. The very first sermon that was preached. It says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. He says, get out while you can. It's on the wrong path. The Message Bible puts it like this. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. I like that. And Paul said in Philippians 2, when he reflected on his generation, here's what he said. Do everything without grumbling and complaining, 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the universe as you hold out firmly the word of life. When Paul looked at his generation, what did he see? He said it was warped and it was crooked. What about our generation? As we look at our world today, how would our generation be described? Are the generations today any better than the generations back then in the first century? Can they legitimately be called unbelieving and perverse, as Jesus called his? What about corrupt, as Peter called his? What about warped and crooked, as Paul called his? I think we'd all admit, wouldn't we, brothers and sisters, we are surrounded by an unbelieving, perverse, warped, and crooked generation. Singles, do you agree with that? College students, what do you think? Do you see what Jesus saw? Teens, what about you? Do you see things as Jesus saw them? Marriage, what about your generation? Say, boy, Bruce, you're you're painting this really bleak picture. That's right. Because we need to see things as they really are. Because if we don't see things as they really are, then we won't do anything about it. But when we see things as they are, then we're going to look for some answers. And I believe it's important for us to see that our world is corrupt. It's unbelieving. It's warped. And then and only then do we stand a chance to do anything about it. I was reading an article this past week in the USA Today. And it was talking about, and it had the... the, uh, the, the The title of the article was, okay, well, I'll give you the title. I, I don't have it on the slide. The title of the article said this, deadly bacteria that defy drugs of last resort. Got my attention. I thought, okay, I better read this article. And I read this article, and it was talking about how in hundreds of hospitals right now, there is a deadly bacteria that they have no antibiotic for. There is a deadly bacteria already now alive that people are dying from. Dozens and hundreds of people are dying from right now that they have no answer for. If a person gets it, They have no medicine to give them. There is no antibiotic. Not even the super antibiotic can destroy this bacteria. And the sad thing is, it's primarily in our hospitals. The very places that we go to get healed are the places where we can get this bacteria. We need to see, brothers and sisters, that there's a virus... That is trying to invade God's new generation today. Trying to invade our relationships. Trying to invade God's family, your family, our very souls. And do we have a cure? Is there a solution? Is there a way to escape the corruption of this world? The same as it was 2,000 years ago. And the answer is yes. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. 
The old is gone. The new has come. So what is what is it God envisions that a new generation will be raised up through Christ? And that was his answer in the first century. And that's his answer for us today. In fact, here's what the passage says in Second Peter one. When Peter talked about how great it is to be a part of this new generation of God, he says, do he says. His divine power has created everything that we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. You know, that passage tells me that God gives us a way to escape. He gives us a way to get out of the corruption that all of us experience. At one time in this world. And that's why he's able to go and say this passage in Philippians. Yeah, it talks about a corrupt generation here, but it also talks about this. Do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault. Even though you're living in a warped and crooked generation, you can shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life. You see, what God envisions, brothers and sisters, is a new generation through Christ. That's what he envisions. And that's what he envisioned in sending Christ to us. And you know what? Here's the good news. Any age can be a part of this new generation. Is that cool or what? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or if you're the oldest senior here. You can be a part of this new generation. That's the promise of God. And what God has done through this new generation already has been incredible. And I want to just share with you a little bit about what God has done through this new generation in our geo region this year. And over the last several years, number one, over the last two and a half years, over 700 souls have been baptized and restored to Jesus Christ in this geo region. Isn't that awesome? What about our college students? You know what? In this geo region alone, geographically, we have over 300,000 college students. We have 290 disciples. We have on, we have 40 plus disciples who are in ministry training program right now. Isn't that awesome? And then let us share about what God is doing in the singles ministry. You realize that we have almost two, over two million singles that live in our geo region. Two million. And if we have two million, we have 440 disciples. Now, compared to, four, to two million, it's not a lot, but I'm excited about the 440 disciples that we have in our geo region. You know, um, I got to share this with you. Three years ago, we in the coastal L.A. region, at that time I was a part of it, made a decision to focus on the single population along the coastal cities of Los Angeles because the majority of people living in those cities were single. And we believed that it had to be, it had great potential. At the time, I'll be very frank and very honest, it was one of our weakest ministries. But we believed 
that it had the potential of being one of our strongest ministries. And so we made the fateful decision to ask Marco and Michelle Palazzari to no longer lead a region, but to focus on the singles ministry in the coastal L.A. region. And what God has done has been powerful and amazing. And so many young men and women who are single have been baptized into Christ. So many single young men and women have been given a new vision for their lives. They're fired up about their role in God's kingdom, the church. They're fired up about how God can use them. And I'm so proud of Mark and Michelle and all of the singles who have worked so hard to build up the singles ministry in coastal L.A. And I'm excited to be able to share with you today that, um, that uh, Sean and Marshall Mead are going to be leading the singles ministry in Orange County. And they're very excited about that. How strong is the singles ministry? It's so strong that this past summer, Elias and Rachel DeLoe, who was a couple that was originally converted as singles in the coastal L.A. region several years ago, they were baptized, they dated, they fell in love, they were trained in the ministry and raised up within the singles ministry, and just recently they moved to Ashland, Oregon, and now leading in a powerful way the church there in Ashland, Oregon. And just since they've been there in the last several months, they've had five people baptized into Christ. It's so encouraging. We've got youth and family ministries. Within the last several years, we've made a concerted effort on, on reaching more families in this area, and particularly in helping our children become Christians that are raised in God's family here. And praise God, we're making progress. We formed youth and family ministries in both regions. We've now seen the majority of our teens, when they reach their junior or senior year in high school, get baptized and be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's awesome. And I'm so proud of the teens that we have in our geo region. They have been so courageous, so concerned about the lost, shining like stars in a dark world. We now have... Truth Be Told Bible Talks, which are Bible Talks on high school campuses. We now have Truth Be Told Bible Talks on 11 high school campuses in the Geo region, eight in coastal L.A. and three in Orange County. And many of them are led by high school disciples. I think that's pretty awesome. i got to share about this one brother in Orange County. He's the only disciple on his high school campus in Irvine, Renzo Malabar. He had... 24 visitors this last week at his Truth Be Told Bible Talk. Isn't that awesome? And in Culver City, we have six disciples. We have more than six disciples in Culver City High School, but six of the disciples are in student government, serving as senior class president, junior vice president, treasurer, and schools, and, and the whole school vice president. I think that's pretty awesome. Brothers and sisters, Together, in 2012, we gave $676,000 to go to missions outside of the United States. I think that's pretty incredible. And I want to really commend you for your sacrifice. I know that there's so much, so many challenges that we have here. Sometimes it can be so easy for us just to get inward focused. You know what I mean? 
where we just think about ourselves and, oh, we have needs here. Yeah, we do have needs here. But in many ways, the needs that we have outside of the United States are even greater. I'm just so proud of you for giving to the Middle East, to Mexico, to Central America. I mean, this is incredible. And I know God is pleased. God is happy. In fact, together as a geo region this year, of that 676,000, there was an amount that was targeted just to start a campus ministry in Mexico City. So we were able to... We were able to be responsible for starting the campus ministry there in Mexico City. Isn't that encouraging? In addition to that, I think all of you know that we are part of the southwest geographical region of the United States. Well, in addition to the amount that I just shared with you, we also gave $58,000 specifically for southwest uh, missions. You know, here in the southwest, we've been working together to both plant new churches and to strengthen other churches. And just this past summer, there were 21, there were 21 who were sent to Tucson from the LA church and the Phoenix church to plant a church in, in Tucson with a, which has a great population of over a million people. The team came from the family ministry, the singles ministry, and the campus ministries, and the teen ministries. And it's so encouraging to see what God has done. With about 30 others from the LA church, the coastal georegion, sent about 30 other married singles and campus to evangelize in Tucson. And they had, on September the 30th, they had their first worship service. They were shooting, and this is the uh, group going out, sharing their faith the day before. And on that Sunday, they had 483 people in their first service of the Tucson Church of Christ. God has moved in a powerful way. It has almost doubled them. They've grown from 21 disciples to 41 disciples in just four months. I think that's pretty incredible. God is moving. It is now, it is now our fastest growing church in the United States of the church planting. And of course, as you know, God also put it on the heart of Anthony and Son Galane that there was a need in Hawaii to go and to strengthen that church in, in Oahu. And uh, Anthony and Son have been so beloved by all of us for so many years here in Los Angeles. They moved here uh, uh, many years ago uh, from the mission field, and now they wanted to go back out. And so Hawaii is a part of the southwest geographical region of the United States. And uh, we're so excited that Anthony and Son were able to go to Hawaii. They've been there for the last several months. They have already made a difference in that church. And uh, I, I just want to express my appreciation to especially the West Side for your willingness to give them up and support them in this great endeavor. In addition to that, in addition to that, Orange County also Orange County Campus Ministry trained and raised up their son, Nick Galang, and uh, trained him up for the ministry and just recently sent him to the University of Hawaii in Oahu. And now he's the campus minister. And we're also sending four other students there. And uh, it's really been incredible to see 
Kamen and Shelley and Matt and Bree and Nick. Nick is right in the middle there. And they're going to start the campus ministry. In fact, it's already started and they've already grown from four students to 13 students. Isn't that incredible? God is moving in a powerful way. In addition to that, in 2013, the Orange County region is going to be sending up Richard and Shannon Buckner to Fresno, California to to uh, begin a campus ministry there as well as to lead the singles ministry. And Richard and Shannon are so beloved by so many people in Orange County. And I, I know that God is going to move in a powerful way. And we're just very thankful that they're going to strengthen the church there. And of course, we didn't just say, OK, let's just strengthen the Southwest. But this year, God put it on our hearts to also strengthen the New York City church. So we sent a dearly beloved couple in the, in the geo region, Steve and Shonda Stevenson, to the New York City church. I think it could safely be said, brothers and sisters, we have been mission-minded in 2012. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you for your hearts. Thank you for your willingness to support this. Yes, it's been a sacrifice. Yes, we will miss all of these brothers and sisters. But one day we're all going to be together with not only them, but all of the people that God will have used them to bring to Christ. And I've got to share about one other thing about this geo region. And that is the way that we've worked together in our groups to serve the poor. And God has done an incredible day, and I, I just uh, incredible thing. And I just want to tell you, it's an honor for me personally to be in this geo region and to see how you sacrificially give of yourself, not just in time but in money. I'll talk about the time in just a second, but in money, we gave ninety-eight thousand dollars to Hope Worldwide, either on the International Day of Giving or from throughout the year in our collections. I think that is an incredible sign of generosity to all of you. And it is so great to have the brothers and sisters here with the Hope Worldwide Think Tank. And uh, I had a chance to be with them yesterday. And guys, thank you so much for what you do. These brothers and sisters are from around the world. And it's really great to have them with us today. But you know what? We didn't just give our money. We gave our time. We gave our time and we did all kinds of things. And time will not permit me to say all of the things that the brothers and sisters in this geo region has done to serve the poor this year. We see uh, Dr. Marco Palazzari up in the top there in the center. And I think it's when he was in Guatemala. Is that right? Or Nicaragua, one of the Central American cities down there. And he's looking in that young boy's mouth, and I don't know what he's finding, but he's looking, that's for sure. But you know, their lives were changed as a result of going down there. And they changed the lives of the brothers and sisters as well. I, I've really got to uh, hold up in a very special way the campus students this year because all of the college students worked together to build a house down in Mexico. They raised the money. And they went down and labored, built the foundation, built the walls, built the roof. And there you see on the bottom left the house that was built as a result of the sacrifice of our college students. I think that's pretty incredible. You know, um, in, in, the, in, in the coastal L.A. region, 
they have this slogan, 1224, serve the poor. You say, well, what, what, what does that mean? 1224, serve the poor. Well, it means that every brother and sister is asked to give, donate two hours a month for 12 months so that the end of those 12 months, they will have served the poor a day, a full day of that year. So it's 12 months, a total of 24 hours, serve the poor. I thought that was really, really inspiring and a way to help capture all of us to move forward as we serve the poor. And they have another slogan, and it says, give a day and give a dollar. And again, it's tying in with the same thing that was done, uh, was talked about earlier, where you give a day in the year and you give a dollar a day. I don't know whether you realize this or not. But three billion people in our world today live on less than two dollars a day. Almost half the population of our world live on less than two dollars a day. And for us to say, okay, we will give a dollar a day. Our dollar a week isn't asking too much. It's the least that we could do. And I'm so proud of the Coastal LA region. By the end of this year, they will have given 20,000 man hours serving the poor. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that's flat awesome. And of course, the, the Orange County region also serves the poor in many, many ways. But as we move into our geo-regional thinking, I, I, I really want to call all of us to work together to follow this example, to to donate, to go 1224, serve the poor, to donate two hours a month for 12 months so that at the end of 12 months, we will have given at least a day, a full day and night to serve the poor. And so if we can have that as our goal, then we could have 30,000 man hours by the end of 2013. Wouldn't that be a great goal for us to serve the poor? And I've got to share one last thing about uh, serving the poor. I'm sorry, I already, I already shared that, so I'm sorry. Um, we also have anticipating full-time ministry training that we're continuing to give. And I, I just really want to hold up Kevin and Mary Maines. They've done a phenomenal job in training our young men and women in the campus ministry who desire to go into full-time ministry. And right now we have over 40 students who want to go into the full-time ministry. And already, as you've heard, we are already sending out some of those young men and women to go and to lead in uh, campus ministries and other places. But, you know, 2013, God has even more in store for us because Gordon and Teresa Ferguson moved here to Los Angeles. And we're so glad that God put it on their hearts to move here to Los Angeles to be the director of our Pacific School of Ministry and to have a teaching ministry in the Los Angeles church. And we are especially blessed that Gordon and Teresa will live in the coastal geo-region. Isn't that awesome? And Gordon and Teresa, we, we love you so much. Thank you for being willing to move here. Thank you for being willing to lay down your life and give and pass it on to another generation. You know, another thing that we're really excited about in 2013, the Internet Outreach Ministry, Orange County has been actually having this ministry for the last year and a half. And over that period of time, already five people who have been purely contacted just from the Internet, have become your brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that awesome? 
And it's really encouraging now that the coastal L.A. region will also be participating in this. And so we, we look forward to seeing God move in an even more powerful way. And one last thing that I want to mention to you is a video in multimedia ministry that we're beginning here in 2013 in the Los Angeles church. And specifically, we're giving even more to here in our geo region. I think all of us know that people are moved by pictures and by movies. People are moved by those things. Videos. We, we see it all the time. We have them in our pocket. We go to the computer. They're there. I mean, everywhere you look. And we have not really tapped into this ministry. And we're really excited that we're working together with the L.A. Church and the San Diego Church that we've actually hired a brother who's moving here this week from New York City who's going to be heading up our video and multimedia ministry. And we're really, really excited about that. In closing, brothers and sisters, I can't tell you how proud I am of these two regions. It is a privilege and an honor to work with you, and especially in a very personal and direct way. You know, we began our lesson today looking at God's heart. He has been wanting to have a deep and faithful relationship with many successive generations. Well, we saw how difficult that was under the Old Covenant. And we saw how Jesus and his disciples saw the condition of their generation. And the answer was to start a new generation. A new generation that it was started 2,000 years ago. And all of us are here today who are disciples of Jesus Christ. We're part of that new generation that started 2,000 years ago. I want to be a part of a new generation that makes an impact on the generation of the world. Don't you? I remember becoming a true, committed disciple of Jesus Christ over 40 years ago at the University of Florida. I saw the corruption of my generation. I saw the disillusionment. I saw the anger. I saw the deceit, the immorality, the superficiality of relationships. And I saw how that contrasted with this new generation that God was calling me to. And it was so radically different. And I'm still a part of that new generation. Now you may say, well, Bruce, how can it be called a new generation if you're a part of it? No. I mean, like, aren't you pretty old? No. Well, yes. No. To some here, I may be looking less than new. But if you look closely at me, and anyone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, you see that no matter how old you are, we're still new where it counts on the inside. And just so you realize it, I'm not the oldest disciple in this room. You say, oh yeah, that's right, Gordon, he's older, he's got to be the oldest. No, Gordon is not the oldest. You say, Al Baird, he's got to be the oldest. No, he's not the oldest. You know who the oldest disciple in this room is, who's a part of this new generation? He's my dad. And he's sitting right up there. He's 92 years old. And he's still a part of this new generation. And it was because of what my dad did 50 years ago in making a decision as a young father 
to be baptized into Christ and to commit his life to Christ. Then he began a generation, a legacy in our family. Then he passed on to me. And then I passed on to my son and my daughters. And that they're going to pass on to their children. You see, that's a beautiful thing about being in this new generation. Is no matter how old you are or how young you are, you can be a part of it. And nobody feels weird. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, it's time that we all fully engage. And I don't know what 2012 was like for you. Maybe it was the greatest year you've ever had in your life. Or maybe it was... A mediocre year. Maybe it was an okay year. But I really want to call every child of God here today to make a decision that you're going to be a committed, fully engaged part of this new generation. And if you're studying the Bible right now, or if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want to call you out of the corrupt generation that right now you're a part of. Get out of that generation. And become a part of the new generation. The new generation that will sing praises to God. Not only now, in this life, but in the life to come. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters.